a Podcast One production. Hey, I'm former Australian beach sprinter and fitness trainer, Katie Williams. When I was competing, I would do anything I needed to do to be the best. But now that I'm retired, I'm trying to develop a more balanced relationship with my diet, exercise and my body image. In each episode, I'll try a different diet or lifestyle challenge for two weeks to see if it helps me think, move or feel better. For two weeks, the challenge I'm taking on is intuitive eating. So why am I doing this challenge? I used to be a real intuitive eater when I was training full time and I was really listening to my body. And as my career has changed and as I've moved into a different space, I've been a retired athlete, I've become less intuitive with my body and more eating on the go slash convenience. So this challenge will be hard for me because it'll also probably make me realize that I'm eating for the wrong reasons. Perhaps that's emotional eating, eating because I'm like bored or, you know, eating because I'm stressed. I do feel a little bit fearful of the fact that I'll like, you know, really lose control and just eat whatever I want and really just kind of go off the rails because intuitive eating is literally eating what you think your body needs. And I feel like that for me might be an excuse to just be a little piggy. (laughs) Before starting this challenge, I wanted to find out more on intuitive eating, what it actually is and how to practice it correctly. To find out, I spoke to nutritionist and certified intuitive eating counsellor, Nadia Felch. Nadia runs online courses and she does one-on-one counselling and I knew she could give me the help that I needed to do this challenge. Nadia Felch. Hi. I'm doing this challenge because my relationship with food, I think, is a little bit negative Mm -hmm. and I actually believe that intuitive eating will really benefit me and I'll be better for it. Yeah. So where does intuitive eating actually come from? Great question. I did not just make this up. (laughs) So I would love to take credit, but it was actually developed by two dietitians in the States. And so Evelyn Triboli and Elise Resch, they are like the OGs of IE, I like to think. And they were sick and tired of seeing this idea that people come in and they want to lose weight generally. That's why people see a nutritionist or a dietitian. And what happens is you know, 95% of diets fail. And so these clients kept coming into the doors of these really qualified expert dietitians who knew exactly what they were doing. They were trained in the model of, okay, this is how we lose weight. We give people less food to eat, but it wasn't working. And so they started to work with a psychologist and looked at all of the behavioral aspects of food. What is all of the reasoning that goes into food choices? And it's obviously so complex. So the, the 10 principles of intuitive eating came from all of that research Can you talk to me about what intuitive eating is? I guess base level, intuitive eating is looking to do exactly that. It's to create a healthy relationship with food and your body. So that's kind of, I guess, an outcome or like what the process is. And I think we tend to think of food and nutrition as like physical, you know, like it's the body and we eat nutrients and that's all true and great, but we're not robots. And so the complex decisions that make us have these food choices or why we make the choices we make positive or negative, are never really considered because it's just the physicality. So nutrition is taught really physically, but what about the emotional side? What about the psychological side? So you could think of intuitive eating as like, I guess, bringing in that psychological element and trying to remind us and connect us again with what's natural. So 
when you were a kid, I don't know if you remember this, but you didn't have a negative relationship with food. You just ate, right? There wasn't this complication. Oh, yes. You don't even know, right? We don't you know. You just eat. We just eat. You're hungry, so you eat. And the types of foods that you have and the textures, all of this is really instinctive. So the idea of intuitive eating is actually just to reconnect you with that, what is actually a default. So we don't want to feel crappy. We don't want to feel lethargic. We don't want to, you know, be eating food that makes us feel crappy. But when we view it from that perspective of rules or I have to cut this out, it doesn't work. We, we end up wanting the exact things we're apparently not allowed to have. So intuitive eating is something that you just tap into and it's something that you should tap into every day, every yeah. hour. Uh, for life, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it's not, there is no rule book where it's like this is not what you're doing it's for Katie's your intuitive. Wow, I love I. It's Katie's vibe. I love That's it. It. Yeah. it sounds amazing. <laughs> so my intuitive eating style is going to be different to yours. Totally. And the journey... I guess from my perspective working with clients or even just talking about this is that it's completely unique. So my intuition is completely different to yours. And the idea is not to have this perfect diet because it doesn't exist. And the pressure to maintain that is just horrific. So and what is perfect? Exactly. There is no such exactly. thing. And all foods fit. All foods belong. Like there's something to be said for satisfaction and joy and pleasure from food but we kind of discount that when we just think about nutrients because we're not bringing in the, the aspect of sharing food with people we love, types of foods that we enjoy, textures. You know, We could describe the exact same foods to each other that we love. They'll be completely different for, for different reasons, the connection we have to them. So again, when we think of food as just food and nutrients, it's all correct, yes, but then and what? So why should I be doing intuitive eating? So I like the idea of thinking of as what is the current cost in someone's life, your life right now, of thinking about food negatively or potentially worrying about what I eat, when I eat, how much I eat. All of that has a cost to it. So I would say it's the cost of dieting. So we think of dieting sometimes as like if we're on keto or if we're doing paleo, that's a diet, yes. But so is thinking about any kind of rule or regulation around food or it's all dieting. So if we're trying to lose weight, we're dieting. If we're trying to have more green vegetables because someone told us to, we're at some level dieting. We're not using our own experience and kind of life lessons or body intuition to lead us into the decisions. That's like a key difference. So it's really helpful, I think, for you to consider, hey, how much time am I spending worrying about this stuff? Or am I actually even honouring my health with the decisions that I'm making? Of course. You know, food you know, a common criticism of intuitive eating is I'll just eat everything. Well, you might, by the way, but that gets old really quickly because we don't want to feel shitty. So there's a very key concept of having, I guess, a freedom and a permission from the self to actually explore the process, to see what foods are like, to see what works for you and to actually experience that process. But I think it's helpful to start with a, hey, what am I missing out on? by not doing these things. It's such a, it's a simple concept, but there's so much complexity mm -hmm. in it. I think the relationship I have with food has always been, it's fueling me, mm -hmm. it's there. Yeah, I don't actually think at any stage of my life have I ever really fully, completely restricted. Yep. But I definitely would say the term, like borderline that orthorexic yep. type, obsessive, yep. obsessed exactly with health, yep. obsessed with health. That's like it. these things, for instance, don't belong in a healthy diet. So I'm just going to not have those. Is it that kind of idea? Yeah. Like I 
when I was, like, go back three years ago. Yeah. So I think I was, like, 10% body fat, mm-hmm. very lean, didn't have my period at one stage. So a very full-on time. Yeah. So yeah. I was training for world titles. I was junior world champion and I wanted to be open world champion for beach sprinting. And, yeah, I was just obsessed with winning. So an obs- I was obsessed with training. But that came in a massive compromise to my health. So I was the fittest I had ever been, Mm -hmm. but I was equally the most unhealthy. Mm. So, you know, obviously if I wanted to fall pregnant at that time, I may not not have been able to. Didn't didn't not have my period for long. I think it was only Mm -hmm. a few months. But even still, that's not normal. Yeah. Then also, um, you know, a bit of anxiety I had. Still have sleep apnea. Definitely had sleep apnea then. And probably just my relationship with exercise, like Mm -hmm. obsessive and, and... obsessive in wanting to be as fit as I possibly yeah. could. And that thing, that obsessiveness of wanting to be as fit as you possibly can is extremely unhealthy in my opinion yeah. because it leads you down this rabbit hole of not nourishing your system. And the thing is when I actually retired, I went this crazy other end where I was like eating and drinking anything I wanted and Freedom, I had, yeah. Essentially. So, but then yeah. I went out of control. Yeah. So I went from what I felt was quite intuitive three years ago when I was training mm-hmm. and I was eating what my body needed. I felt was quite intuitive, although I could have been more relaxed about mm-hmm. it. And then I did a complete flip and was just having whatever I wanted. Yeah. Yeah. So that conscious clean eating type way yeah. to then having no goal for training, I was just having and doing whatever I wanted. Yeah. So I suppose that's where my fear comes from is I've seen myself lose control with food, absolutely lose control yeah. where it's like, oh, I can have all this food now and just, you know, I put on weight, which at the time felt really uncomfortable yep. for me. I felt bigger. I didn't feel like myself. That's a common fear in yeah. this process as well. Yeah. Mm. I still am an athletic person, you know, I box and do all these things, but I don't have that obsessive I'm not as obsessive as I once yeah. was. Well, and I guess there's also not a need. You've transitioned to a different part of your life. Mm. I love that you described it as you were the fittest but also so unhealthy. Yes. As in it's not it's not necessarily the situation of fittest and thinnest or leanest is healthiest. Absolutely By the not. way, it might be for some people. It's just we've so accepted that it's always that way, that the thinner person in the room must be the healthiest. I would feel that me putting on weight would be a negative of yep. intuitive eating. And that's the honest truth. Yep. And that yep. is quite sad, I think, because it shouldn't actually be a negative. I mean, because you're, I'm you're not alone. So part of, I mean, a rejection of dieting and diet culture within the format of intuitive eating, within the principles and the ideas of it, or framework is maybe a better way to put it, is also the rejection that we need to be thin to be healthy or happy. That doesn't happen when we've listened to it our whole lives. That won't happen in a day. And for there's no timeline. So I would say intuitive eating is somebody's life. It's the default system that we have to connect with our body and eat as we need, stop as we need to, find the foods that we enjoy or don't enjoy. For instance, if I was to offer you whatever food and you can come from a place of saying yes or no that's purely just based on your actual instincts and not anything else, that would be you being truly intuitive. That there's no other conversation in your head of, oh, it'll make me fat. Oh, I can't have that. Oh, someone told me not to eat it. Oh, I just ate lunch. All of those things are like the fear that we're used to having in our minds when we think of food. Very rarely will someone kind of be able to just go, Yes or no? Just a very simple black and white, I do need it or I do want it or I don't need it or I don't want it. So I guess the thing is for me, no one can ever know what will happen with someone's weight and it's really important. Intuitive eating doesn't make any promises about somebody's body. It may go up, it may go down. We can never know and 
the promise of a change in body is almost anti-ethical to the process of intuitive exactly. eating. Exactly. Because it's, it's saying your body shape and size is the most important and it's not. And it's not. But in the case of people that yo-yo diet and have for some time, most people find that their weight levels out. So rather than the constant up and downs, they will level out. Whether that's lower than where they started, as I said, no one can know. And we would actively in the community of intuitive eating kind of reject anyone promoting weight loss as a service or weight loss as a product, so to speak, because it takes us away so much from what we need ourselves and we're living day to day to try and lose weight. Now, does it mean we can just get over being worried about weight gain? No. As I said, it's ongoing. It, it might actually be one of the hardest things for you personally. Some other people struggle with that less or more. Maybe they've reached a point where they're willing to try anything to not feel so negatively about themselves or about food. And it's this, this torment about what they eat. And at the same time, they don't have an eating disorder. So what is the difference between eating intuitively and binging and just allowing yourself yep. to just go silly? Yeah. It's probably one of the most universal fears of if I'm intuitive, that just means I'm going to eat everything in sight, right? I'm going to go and eat 40 donuts tomorrow. That's my fear. Or whatever. Or That's, croissants. Or yeah. whatever. And interestingly, no one ever says broccoli, by the way. No one ever says, I'm going to go eat 40 kilos of broccoli today. It's always, it's always <laughs> what I Please don't call, say that for me. No, no. It'll be potentially a bit gassy and upsetting in the stomach. So we're not going to do that. But the idea is rooted. Like that fear is so universal because we, by nature, have gotten so used to just restricting things. So when we think of foods, we so clearly in society go, there's this group of foods that's good, so we can just eat those. That's great. And then there's all these foods that are apparently bad, so we can't have those. Do you think that when it comes to intuitive eating, do you think that eating is an emotional relationship to food more than physical? No, or I, is it I both? I feel like it's both. Okay. I feel like it's you choosing to be connected to the physical experience. So for instance, we all know what it's like to need to pee. I mean, nobody doesn't know what that's like, right? And we don't hesitate because actually it won't be very good if we don't pee. It might be a bit messy. It might mm. be a bit dramatic walking down the street weeing. It's not, it's just sounds stupid, <laughs> right? It sounds stupid to say it, but what's the difference then with hunger? It's not the same though. For, for so many people, if they feel a hunger, that's a scary thing maybe. Like, oh, oh, why am I hungry? I'm not meant to be. I, I ate an hour ago. I hear that all the time, but I just ate. Why am I hungry? Well, likely because you didn't eat enough. I'm going to start intuitive eating from today. Yes. Love it. What, how do I start? What do I do? So I think straight up what's so important for you in the next couple of weeks is to actually do the very basics of human life. So sleep the amount that you know you need to sleep. Drink the amount of water you know you need to drink. And you know that we just don't really maybe take stock of it. So what you'll be doing in the next couple of weeks is I have this fabulous chart for you. You're going to journal it. You're going to love it. I love this. I love that you've given me homework. <laughs> yes, yes. Let's and talk about the homework. There's something powerful in writing it down. So what we're looking at with hunger is to never be, we don't want to be in the extremes. We don't want to be not hungry and we don't want to be too hungry. So what you'll spend the next couple of weeks doing is actually noticing your own patterns. So before you eat, you're going to have this fabulous sheet where you're going to mark on a, a zero to 10 scale where you think your hunger is. If you go to eat, you go to eat. We're not trying to change the eating. We're trying to notice what's happening when you go to eat to give you that 
confidence and feedback about, hey, what am I actually doing? What what are the trends in my eating habits to start with? That's kind of a really great place to start. You're also going to look at if it feels positive, negative or neutral. It's a really good universal question to ask yourself each time you go to eat. So literally even an apple, it doesn't need to be a meal. It's every time you eat, you go, oh, just to check in and there's my little sheet. That's my tick. I feel slightly hungry, which has its own value that you'll see on your homework. And again, do your best not to actually change the eating. You'll start to notice that you have trends maybe at certain times of the day. Yeah. And equally, you're going to do it after you finish eating. So there's also a fullness rating. So we're not keeping count of how much we're eating or what we're eating. We're noticing actually how hungry am I? Oh, and now how full am I? And on both of those ends, how did all of it feel? I'm so excited for this intuitive eating challenge. I'm going to be checking in with how much water I'm having, how much sleep I'm having, getting back to the basics of making my body super healthy. I've got my homework, which is the chart. Yeah. How hungry am I? How full am I? And of course, how do I feel after eating? Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. I I've know, loved we can having talk you about here. It all day. I'm so excited to give this a go and tune in with you in two weeks to let you know if I was better for it. Can't wait to hear. There are no rules with intuitive eating. It is up to you. Let's go. Sweet potato chips, chocolate, vegan magnums, my favorite. Almost eating a packet of chips. And I'm just laughing at it. This intuitive eating thing is great. I've realized that I'm actually eating out of boredom, perhaps stress eating. Um, and I definitely feel like the first week of this challenge, I sort of took advantage of that a little bit and kind of eat whatever the hell I wanted. And I think that's kind of not the real point of intuitive eating. I think intuitive eating is giving your body what it needs. And um, I'm still going, I've got a few days left, but I just wanted to check in. So I've been eating intuitively for two weeks now and the challenge is over. My homework from Nadia was a hunger and fullness chart and this was really interesting. I did it every meal. I recorded my hunger levels out of 10 and also what I ate and any feelings associated with that. The first few days I felt like I sort of went on a bit of a binge and I was overeating. So the first few days I sort of felt a bit bloated and physically a little bit sluggish. Most of week one, I was eating mainly at a six out of 10 or a five out of 10 on the hunger scale. So not even really hungry, just eating out of boredom or stress or just because I felt like it. And I actually associate the emotions with eating. So when I felt overwhelmed, when I felt stressed, or when I felt like something was out of my control, I turned to food. And that's not really a relationship I particularly want to have with food. I want food to be there for me to enjoy when I'm hungry, there for me to enjoy even not when I'm hungry, but just with a better level and a better understanding of physical hunger versus emotional hunger. So week one, I felt like emotional hunger was just ruling me. There were certain things that I spoke to Nadia about and she gave me a, a tool and it was a five-minute task to do just before I had a craving. So let's say I had this mad craving. Let's say I wanted a burrito and I had just had lunch. She would say, wait five minutes Think about how full you are. Think about what your body needs. Think about, is this food going to nourish you? And all these like 
cravings that I had really were not associated with any forms of hunger or nourishment. It was just an emotional want or a craving. And I've used that five-minute task ever since I had the chat with her, and that's helped me a lot. After that, when the trivialness wore off, I definitely felt more energised and more satisfied. My stomach was full, I was eating enough, and I was definitely feeling the hunger cues that I needed. And I feel like week two, I definitely sat and sat with my body and my feelings And I actually ate when I was physically hungry. And I know that that sounds ridiculous, like just eat when you're hungry. But, you know, there's advertisements around us everywhere. There's food around us all the time. We also have such busy lives and we lead stressful lives. And the more stress I have in my life, the worse choices I make with my nutrition. So mentally overall, definitely I was better for it. But it just took me a few days to sort of become aware of actually what my body needs and am I eating for the right reasons or am I eating to fill a void, which is kind of scary to say, but um, very true. So I was actually sick on this challenge. Um, So I extended the challenge by a few extra days. This did impact what I was eating. For a few days, I was really sick. I was really nauseous. So I was eating pretty plain foods and I couldn't listen to my body. I had the signals We're not telling me the right things. I was all clogged up. So I definitely think that being physically well really helps you identify, you know, what is your body telling you? Because if you're sick, you can feel nauseous and have these different feelings you wouldn't normally experience. So that's why extending this challenge just a little bit longer. Obviously with intuitive eating, my diet is going to be different to yours. And that is exactly what intuitive eating is. And I feel like intuitive eating takes a long time to to learn what your body needs and its energy requirements. So for instance, whilst I was sick, I actually didn't need that much energy because I was sleeping a lot of the time and I was very sedentary. So I was sitting down. My energy requirements when I'm training and I'm training people and I'm boxing and I've got really busy days, well, I'm actually churning through energy. I need more food. Throughout this intuitive eating challenge, I also had some social events. I had a wedding, which was beautiful. And I also had um, other events like work events. It was actually great because I ate and drank anything I wanted. Um, And it was really nice. I was eating everything everyone offered me. I wasn't saying no to anything. I felt included at all dinners and nothing was off limits. So my social health was thriving. One of my fears was, you know, gaining a lot of weight because, you know, being an athlete, I've been coached my whole life and I've been told what to do and and then having a challenge where it's completely up to me and how I feel, it's really hard to, It I think in two weeks, it's not enough time to completely know your body, but it is enough time to change your habits around food. So two weeks is definitely enough time to identify what your habits are with food and also to figure out if you're eating emotionally or if you're eating for physical hunger. So that's a definite one that I took home over the two weeks is actually identifying, is my stomach hungry? I will definitely continue this challenge long-term and being more aware of even the way I speak to myself um, and I view food. So if I'm to eat like a big salad or have like a green smoothie or something that's like loaded with like superfoods and lots of goodness in there, I feel really good about it. But if I were to have a meal that is not as nourishing, you know, like a pizza or a pasta or chocolate, my attitude towards that, and I think this is just deeply ingrained in me for a long time being an athlete, is that I would feel just not as good about eating that. 
And Nadia spoke to me about that and said, why? Why Why should you feel differently about having pizza and pasta and having a salad? And that was, for me, mind-blowing. I was like, well, of course I'm going to feel different about it. One's healthy for you, one's not. That was my perspective on food. And she said to me, but what, is food just nutrients? And I said, well, no, it's not. So she got me thinking about food in, in such a different way, that food is social, food is love, food can be soul food. It doesn't have to always be this nutri- nutritionally dense, amazing platter with every vitamin and mineral that's suitable for you, but to not have a negative association associated with any food. And that was a really nice conversation to have with Nadia, particularly being a trainer and heavily involved in the health and fitness industry. I've always viewed food as fuel and nutrition and filling my vessel because I was an athlete. Everything I put in my body almost my whole life by the last three years has been for performance. So now switching that and going, oh, well, it's fine. I can, I can wake up and be a little bloated. I can wake up and be a little bit heavier because I've had a massive night of carbs and I missed out on all my veggies yesterday. But I'm not an athlete anymore. I'm a normal human being just doing my best. So it, it is a really interesting journey and I'm not going to lie, it's actually been a hard journey. I did a pretty extreme version of this intuitive eating challenge. Intuitive eating is not extreme at all, but I did like uh, homework after every meal. I don't think you need to do it as, as extremely as me. I think you can do it in a more moderate way. And um, definitely the easiest way is to just eat mindfully, not actually having any distractions and also doing the five-minute task where, you know, when a craving hits you or something, you know, a certain, certain food hits you and you really want it or you're having an emotional response and you want food, to sit down for five minutes and do that five-minute task. Now the question is, has intuitive eating helped me think, move or feel better? And the answer is yes to all three. So that's it for my intuitive eating challenge. If you want to see the behind the scenes, follow me on Instagram at Katie Williams. My next challenge is a Vedic meditation challenge. Join me and see if I'm better for it. Better For It was presented by Katie Williams and produced in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Producer, Lindsay Green. Audio producer, Matt Nikolich. Executive producer, Jennifer Goggin. For more episodes, head to podcastoneaustralia.com.au. Download the free Podcast One Australia app or search Better For It podcast.